Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth brought to you by Progress Kentucky. Uh, got a great show for you this week. Really happy to, uh, excited about this episode. Uh, we have got uh, some important breaking political news, a lot about Dan Cameron, uh, the liar Dan Cameron. We're going to spend some time talking about him. Uh, and then we're going to talk about a, a setback on SB 150. Uh, then I'm really excited to have a guest with us this week, Kentucky State House Representative Daniel Grossberg from Louisville's 30th House District. We'll then close out with a critical, if if slightly familiar, call to action. Uh, but before we do that, uh, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? I know you are, folks, because here you are hanging out with us on the interwebs. Uh, we know our state is deeply red. We've got a GOP supermajority committed to moving us backwards on LGBTQ plus rights, on BIPOC visibility, on women's rights, weakening the ability of unions to collectively organize for better pay and better working conditions. And we've got these critically important elections coming up uh, for voters across our state in November. Put two and two together. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky, support our campaign, our election campaign to turn our Commonwealth purple. Make a donation at our secure ActBlue website. We are planning our election campaign launch, which you'll hear about later, to push back against uh, Dan Cameron, the hateful liar Dan Cameron. You'll hear more about that later. Uh, we're going to need some resources to print flyers, to pay for text platforms, to promote our efforts on social media via digital ads. So please make a generous contribution right now, today, at the Secure Act Blue website. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and check in our, with our co-hosts. Let us know who you are, where you are. What is your protest sign to say today? Because you know, folks, we're not just some talking heads news show. We are a digital demonstration uh, to keep our commonwealth kind. Uh, so what do you got? What are you protesting against today? I personally have a sign. My name's Aaron. I'm from Childsburg, which is in Lexington. Uh, and my sign says, Andy all day, Cameron, no way. That's my sign. All right. Uh, let's check in with your co-hosts. Uh, Martina, Martina, are you there? I'm here. Excellent. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Where are you? What's your protest sign say? Hey, y'all. This is Martina. Um, I am in Madison County in Richmond, Kentucky. And my protest sign um, is uh, go vote in November for Andy Bashir. Do it. Do it, people. Uh, excellent. And Kimberly, Kimberly Cecil Jones, are you there? Are you joining us? I sure am. Uh, I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Jefferson County. And Aaron, Andy, all day, Cameron, no way. Why are you taking the credit for what one of your daughters did for you to make that sign? With one of what? <laughs> <laughs> One of my daughters did that. Yeah, they didn't. No Give credit when credit is due. No, that was me. I promise. <laughs> I I will credit my daughters. I absolutely. Will. I'm more than happy to credit my daughters. Uh, that one was mine. Okay. That well, basic rhyme was me. Well, you know what? You are on your way to getting the next Grammy. So, <laughs> uh, my protest sign says today, all Democrats, all Democrats, all day, all night, all year, 
any kind of way, all Democrats. Um, you know, and just to be clear, we're not a partisan organization. We just care about things that apparently the Democratic Party doesn't care about. And we're going to like elucidate a number of those in our news story. So let's go ahead and jump into the news of the week. Uh, we have got a rundown. We've got a kind of Dan Cameron news roundup. Uh, big story happening right now as we speak. He has a running mate. He has somehow hoodwinked somebody to spend a lot of time with him between now and November to get fired for their job. Uh, so, uh, all right. All right. Robbie Mills. Robbie Mills. He is a state senator. He is from the western side of the state, uh, Bowling Green area. Uh, he's a Republican from Henderson, represents Hopkins County. Uh, he is somebody who... You know, he's got a legislative track record. He's got a like local elected official track record, and none of it is terribly compelling. Does not seem like an awesome guy. One thing that that maybe uh, Dan Cameron uh, was excited about because after Dan Cameron, you know, trounced Kelly Craft uh, in the primary, uh, you know, that source of potential revenue might have dried up a bit. But all of a sudden, on the scene is Robbie Mills. Some people are saying that's because uh, because the connection that he has with Joe and Kelly Craft. Uh, so Joe gave several thousand dollars to Mills. Mills then supported a bill that was advantageous to Joe's company, of course, the coal company. Will the Crafts now be more inclined to give to Cameron's campaign? That would be useful for him. Not that he's like going to be, you know go without funding with uh, with the Trump endorsement, with Mitch's support. The guy's going to have a lot of uh, dollars to draw from, but you could always use more. Uh, so Robbie Mills, uh, he filed SB4 during the 2023 legislative session. If you remember that one, we talked actually a fair amount about it. I think we had Lane Boldman from the Kentucky uh, Conservation Committee on that talk about it. But that bill changed the requirements for shutting down coal generating uh power plants. So making electrical generating utilities continue to use cost ineffective older uh, coal to generate electricity instead of switching to more energy efficient and actually financially uh, affordable clean energy. So LG&E and KU and Duke Energy all opposed the legislation, as did the Kentucky Association of Manufacturers, which stated that we would lead to higher electricity costs uh, and increased costs passed on to consumers. But uh, Joe and Kelly Kraft gave $2,000 each to Senator Mills and additional 17 other people, uh, mostly legislators. Of those, the vast majority of them voted for SB4. Uh, so that's, you know, that's an interesting coincidence. Um, and of that, you know, it's not just that he's good on coal issues that Joe Kraft likes and folks who like, you know, affordable electricity bills don't like. Uh, he's also, you know, he has a long history of working on some of the least popular Republican priorities. And a hat tip to Doug for running some of these down. A hat tip for Nima Brew to Nima Brewer for tracking these down. Um, and this is the guy who was the key architect of stripping pensions and even pushed for the failed special session attempting to pass the sewer bill twice. So if you go way back, remember the sewer bill under Bevins, that's where they stripped out you know, any mention of a sewer and basically look to uh, cut pensions uh, for teachers. So not great. Uh, Cameron says he loves teachers, big fan of teachers, love teachers, room for you and my administration. 
And then also, Cameron, meet Robbie Mills, my pal, Robbie Mills, the self-proclaimed culture warrior uh, who think you're all groomers and help to take away your pensions. So uh, as Nima says, hard no, Daniel, bless your heart. Uh, also, go back to his time as a uh, commissioner in Bowling Green. Is that right? Uh, no, Henderson County. Henderson County Commission uh, pushed hard against a fairness ordinance in his community. His quote being, you'll never convince me and probably never convince a majority of people in Henderson County that homosexuals need special rights. Of course, totally understand, misunderstanding what a fairness ordinance is. It's not special rights. It's just equal rights. Uh, and, uh, you know, a long, as I said, long track record on uh, uh, doing unpopular things. So welcome to the tickets, uh, Robbie Mills. And I'm sure you'll... <laughs> really be a, a useful uh, addition to Dan Cameron, Liar Dan Cameron's efforts. All right, so that's one, one thing. Do you guys have any thoughts about Mills you wanted to add? Are you familiar with the guy? Did you have much, you know, awareness of him other than, you know, his bad track record as a legislator? I did not know who he was until today um, in terms of, you know, his... Uh, popularity. Um, but then again, um, you know, you have to be, it's not surprising sometimes at this point with the supermajority um, that they have these characters that are the architects of terrible legislation. So that seems on brand for Cameron to pick um, this particular person to be his running mate. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many of these horrible legislators. It is hard to keep them straight. With okay. their supermajority, why would we pay attention to a guy from like Western Kentucky who's another right. rank and file horrible Republican? Well, now he's been elevated, right? Uh, Kimberly, <laughs> how about you? Familiar with this uh, this Joker? Um, I thought he was the Mills, uh, uh, the Grand Wizard uh, Mills. Uh, but I see now he wasn't. Uh, who knows? However, anybody that Daniel Cameron puts on his ticket cannot be trusted. Why? Because the main person of the ticket cannot be trusted. He All cannot right, be now. trusted with anything pertaining to uh, the legal part of um, our uh um, elections or uh, holding office. Uh, he cannot be trusted to do the right thing and investigate uh, how he is supposed to when it comes to major crimes that make international news like mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor. And I would just say this once again, you know, I think this way is very, very very behooving to me that he went to University of Louisville, actually played football for the University of Louisville. And the University of Louisville is mum is the word when it comes to Daniel Cameron. And this Mills guy, uh, he's just a, he's just going to be like that other uh, uh, lieutenant governor that Matt Bevan had. Uh, you all know the the African American, the black woman that nobody can yep. remember her name, and she didn't do too much of anything but try to sue Matt Bevin's administration towards the end. Um, right. This guy has the look, uh, Robbie Mills. He has the look 
that these particular individuals will go for. And that's just my pure on my pure thoughts. Yeah, I think that's uh, all right on. I think. Yeah. Uh, all right, so. If you're listening and you know the name of Matt Bevins, Lieutenant Governor, feel free to add it in the chat. Uh, you might win a prize. All right, so we're going to move on to our second story in the Dan Cameron <laughs> News Roundup. Dan Cameron's been making some headlines because he has been claiming sole credit for Kentucky's $900 million opioid settlements. Uh, is he right? So Lexington Herald leader says, oh, this is our fact check. We are going to ask that question. Dan Cameron's sole credit for Kentucky's $900 million opioid settlement. Is that right? You then read the article and they don't really weigh in. They don't say, is it right or right? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's not right. It's garbage. The fact is that when Andy Bashir was, uh, was the attorney general, he filed all of these lawsuits, right? He built the case. He prosecuted these uh, opioid corporations. And for Dan Cameron to say, you know, Oh, there's only one person who actually delivered dollars to fight the opioid epidemic. It's not Andy Bashir. It's me. Like, what a what a just garbage, trash way to disparage the office, to disrespect your predecessor, and to basically, I'm going to say it, he's a liar. You know, to say, that, oh, I'm the one who brought the money, so I get all the credit. Like, no, right. that's not how lawsuits work. You know, like, if, if this was private practice... Andy Bashir would get a ton, his firm would get a ton of the money that was settled by another firm picking up and taking that lawsuit forward, right? So that, to my eyes, that means he also should be getting the credit for bringing those uh, those lawsuits. But as, as Bashir said, <laughs> I'm a little shocked that the attorney general would say I haven't brought any dollars in opioid settlements. Uh, every single lawsuit he's settling right now, I not only filed, but I argued personally in court showing up when companies are trying to blame us for the millions of pills they sent hundreds of thousands into really small communities in Kentucky, Andy Bashir said. Uh, so yeah, uh, Cameron campaign said his claim to credit is factually correct. <laughs> uh, and I'm just going to say it right now, shame on the Lexington Herald leader for posing that question in their, in their, and I know that the, art, the reporters don't write the headlines, right? So, but if whoever wrote the headline needs to be like taken to the woodshed, but then they picked it up and they shared it in their uh, politics newsletter as a fact check. It was not a fact check. A fact check says this is not true or this is true or it's half true or whatever. And they never did that. So, you know, it's garbage. Uh, and they should have just weighed in because the uh, in my opinion, the facts are totally obvious. But yeah, what, let's go ahead and and give Dan Cameron a pass on his lying. Uh, because I'm sure they're hoping for, you know, an interview so they can do, a, you know, an actual, uh, at the end, you know, by the time November comes around, they're going to probably want to do an endorsement, but they're going to want to have their individual one-on-one -on -one time with the candidates to, to make their insightful determination, right? But, you know, if they can't call a lie a lie, get out of the fact check game. That's what I say. What do you guys think? I have some, I, I'll go first. Uh, just want to back up just for a second. Uh, Dougie Fresh, he's on the comments. If you guys can see him, Doug Price. He says, Cameron was a McConnell scholar. 
And I do want to make this clear. Uh, before he transformed into Darth Vader, uh, McConnell was very well respected here in Jefferson County. And I even, um, when I was at the University of Louisville, uh, was invited uh, to the McConnell Center, had the opportunity to uh, meet and actually have a meeting and get a free book that's autographed by the great and late Johnny Cochran. So uh, he used to be cool. I guess money and the power messes with some people. So anyway, back on this about Cameron and lying, like it's so redundant. He lies, he lies, he lies. Trump lies, McConnell lies, they all lie. That's all they do. It's, their whole life is just one big lie. And um, everybody knows what Andy did. And I also remember that our great governor, when he was attorney general for this state, he even knew how to cross the aisle and um, talk and plead the case for Kentucky as being one of the top uh, states in the country for uh, opioid uh, overdoses and misuse. Uh, he got money from the Trump administration. So we need to give credit where credit is due. I think most mm -hmm. Kentuckians remember that um, Andy Bashir was the one to get that rolling. And anything that Cameron does is because of the good deeds of Andy Bashir. Believe that. All right. What do you say, Martina? Yeah, I mean, like it. I would agree with uh, what Kimberly said, you know, the the merits of what uh, Daniel Cameron says. I, I was working in Frankfurt at the time uh, while Andy Bashir was uh, attorney general and worked with that office quite often. And so to see that, you know, he, he would go after and do the work for victims of crime. Like, I'm like, I saw the work start. And so when you see the beginnings and then you see have this person come in and um, won't give credit where credit is due, what else is, you know, what else is um, he willing to do that shows he's not a good team player? Yeah, not a good team player. He is a, you know, craven, political, power grabbing leech who lies and is happy to lie ethically challenged morally bankrupt all that stuff you're right he uh we don't like this guy uh what i will say is that doug did get it right yes it was janine hampton Janine Hampton. yes <laughs> way to go dougie fresh always there uh appreciate your uh sharing us and fact checking us in real time um yeah so the and and doug also poses the question uh one i think is interesting is Cameron arguing these cases in court because we know that uh, that uh, that our previous attorney general was in fact arguing these cases in court. So um, I don't know if if uh, Andy Bashir is doing something unique. <laughs> I think it's kind of the job of the AG to do some of the arguments at least have a team, but you know lead your team leadership, right. not just speak at the press conferences. We're going to get to the bottom of that. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it. Do some intense googling uh and we'll let you know if we find anything uh you know 
Well, yeah, I'd be interested to know if how how many times he's showed up in the courtroom to be the lead, you know, on behalf of Kentuckians, and not a t- not the team in in front of him. Yeah, taking credit for other people's work seems to be what he likes to do. Uh, Kimberly, I think you're muted. No, I'm not. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, not I'm now. Gonna <laughs> what you got? So check it out. I live here in Louisville, Kentucky, right what? in Jefferson County. Okay. Anything you won't know about Cameron, we already know it. And did he actually go to court and argue a case and like be like Perry Mason? No, he never has. Okay. He knows how to file the motions, go before the court, continue it, all these type of things. It's some other legal eagle words that I really don't know what they mean. Yes. Anything he did other than actually argue a case from beginning to end in a court of law mm. no. that's not his that's not his expertise no no, his no. i mean he counts is. as part of his like legal resume right because you had to be a lawyer for how many years before eight. you can be attorney general eight years eight. Before you, yeah so being legal counsel to mitch mcconnell is part of those eight years that he had right so you were like wait you're the you're like a political advisor that and that gives you like legal uh experience i don't know uh <laughs> so <laughs> So uh, let's move on to, I think, our third and final story in the Dan Cameron News Roundup, uh, which Martina is going to bring us. All right. So when I saw this news, um, this link pop up earlier on the the interwebs and social media, my my knee jerk reaction was he's at it again. Um, So Daniel, attorney Daniel, uh, excuse me, attorney general um, Daniel Cameron among I think it's 18 other Republican state attorneys co-signed a letter to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services arguing that um, a rule change to pr- propose to shield patient information um, from officials in states have ban- that have banned or criminalized abortion and gender-affirming care would, quote, unlawfully interfere with states authority to enforce their laws and does not serve any legitimate need. So their need to pry into people's public, um, excuse me, to pry into private medical records of patients who are seeking out-of-state care because they can't get it here in Kentucky that um, doctors and medical professions or professionals are telling pregnant people that you will need to get this procedure done. You will need to go out of state. And so they believe that um, these 18 Republican state attorneys believe it is in their right to have the information of those patients who are seeking out of state care um, that will potentially and most likely be life saving for them. Um, and in particular, you know, this this means that. If you were to be, uh, if since abortion um, and gender affirming care is being criminalized um, here in uh, Kentucky, that they could potentially go after you for uh, civil and uh, litigation and make you feel like, you know, 
your records are fair game um, for you to be for to be used against you uh, just for getting the care that you need. Uh, we don't need invasion of our privacy, but especially for our medical records. You've got HIPAA privacy, um, and it's it's uh, they're looking for a way to uh, make sure that uh, women and pregnant persons are going to be, um, you know, at the center of that in a very negative way when we deserve the care that we need. What are your thoughts when you hear this, you know? Yeah, I thought this was super chilling, right? The idea that he is willing to go to these extremes to be able to, you know, hunt down women who've gone out of state because why Why are they having to go out of state? Well, it's because Attorney General Dan Cameron ignored the clear will of the voters when they rejected Amendment 2 and said, yes. no, we think there is and should be a constitutional right to abortion in our commonwealth and he said well look i know better than voters and no you don't have one right so now he's like let's make it illegal and i'm going to make sure that if you run we will follow you and we will uh you know we will uh bring charges against you right so he wants to defend that ability to go after women who have to go out of state because he is unwilling to recognize what the voters i think very clearly said um, so yeah, it's outrageous. Well, and, and the other piece is this. So, um, Kentuckians, you have to remember, we had the trigger laws in place when Roe versus Wade was overturned after, you know, 50 years of having this in place that would protect someone's right to, um, have an abortion. And so once that was overturned, um, our, mainly our GOP legislators put into place these trigger laws that immediately um, put into place that made it illegal for access to abortion and other, which is a gender affirming form of care, um, that this is given him, emboldened him, given him the tools to try to move forward again, um, targeting pregnant people, uh, women um, that are pregnant to go after them in this case. So these are the ramifications of this supermajority. These are the ramifications of people like Daniel Cameron. And so it's, it's a bigger picture than just him, but he's definitely facilitating um, these oppressive laws against us. I just want to say, <clears throat> can we say that it sounds a lot like it's handmaidenish? Could mm -hmm. I say? Um, sometimes these programs and movies are really uh, about real life, right? And a lot of times they are to prepare you for what is to come ahead. And I had to stop looking at the handmaiden's tale because why stuff like this is going on and it's scary. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I'm way past even having a child or thinking about an abortion or any of that. Okay. But I, I feel very, very strongly uh, like the commissioner of education was uh, on uh, the other week, Dr. Glass 
he gave us a warning and he continuously uh, repeated it. Okay. He was, he was repeating, repeating, repeating. Why? Because this is not normal people. This is not normal. Like everybody's got to get in the game because if you don't, the things you've seen on TV can actually become a reality. I never thought I would see January the 6th. When I right. first saw it on TV, I thought it was in some other country. Till okay. I started seeing Trump flags and, and American flags. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God. I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. So right. this is not normal. Everybody has to stand up. Share this uh, video to all your family and friends. Share, share, share. So they can get the needed information that they need. But this is not normal. And you'll wake up one day and you'll be living in a different kind of a world. And I'm not talking about here and after. I'm talking about right here, right now in the United States of America. You could be living with another flag waving at the white house i'm serious so um yeah it's all bad um real real bad right yeah for sure um and i think you know folks like dan cameron are more than happy to kind of just march on in with this uh new way of he's not gonna uh, win eroding our democracy we gotta make sure yeah he you if you think you know if you think he's not gonna win like I'm sorry, but the guy is way less offensive than Matt Bevan. He's way slicker than Matt Bevan. And uh, I told Matt you. Bevan almost won re-election. No, but I told you there are certain things that are not going to play in his favor. And I know you don't want me to be talking about it, but the truth is the truth. And I know people may not like to hear this, but the truth is the truth. Once they really see in this particular state, okay, the other 118 counties that are red, 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 I'm talking about real red, okay? He's not He's not going to win. Okay. Believe All right. me when well, I tell you. Hey, that. we've got one more story, and we've got to get to our guest. Uh, Representative uh, Daniel Grossberg is here, which is exciting. Uh, and uh, we want to thank our uh, our co-host in crime, Willie Carver Jr., for aligning that and making it happen. Uh, but we do have a story we want to cover before we get to Representative Grossberg. So, Kimberly, you want to talk about what's going on with the ACLU and SB 150? Um, I sure can. I sure can. Um, the SB 150 is back into effect. And the ACL ACLU says, no, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, two weeks ago, this was our big win story. Now a different judge has ruled that the trans healthcare prevention elements of the anti-LGBTQ plus, don't say gay, bathroom bill, SB 150 should proceed. Thankfully, another suit has been filed against these and those provisions, this time by the ACLU. And this is coming from the Lantern, citing potential irreparable harm to the transgender minors it represents. The American Civil Liberties Union of Kentucky has asked the Sixth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals to allow them to access gender-affirming care once again. The request for emergency relief 
came days after a federal judge stayed a temporary block on part of a new law. Senate Bill 150, among other things, banned gender-affirming medical care like hormones and puberty blockers for transgender minors. That stay meant that SB 150 is enforceable for the first time. It passed in 2023, but a judge kept it from going into law in June. In other words, let me wrap this up for you. Trans minors in Kentucky at this time cannot access gender affirming medical care, which is a gross negligence on the part of our legislators and our judicial system here in this state where children cannot get the medical help and care that they need. I think it's a right for every American, rich or poor, young or old, whatever color, should have medical care. Amen. Back to you, Aaron. Yeah, and then I guess this is just again that like, oh, we're the party of freedom, except for we're going to stand in the way of you getting the health care you need that your doctor and your parents agree are in your best interest and are in fact the recommended treatments by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and on and on and on. So uh, I hope the ACLU is uh, successful. I think it goes without saying we'd like to see the ACLU be successful in their arguments. We'll see what the judge has to say. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, I think the judge just basically followed what happened in Tennessee, which is like just a little bit ahead of us in the kind of the legal fight over there. Uh, very similar uh, anti-trans healthcare bill. So, uh, all right. So that's the news. Uh, none of it's great, <laughs> but uh, but that's what we get here in Kentucky in the, in the political news. Uh, oftentimes, not great. That's why we call it News of the Week, W-E-A-K. Uh, but now moving into our interview, very excited to have joining us this uh, this week, Representative Daniel Grossberg. Daniel Grossberg is a representative for Louisville's 30th District. Uh, he This, I believe, is his first uh, session uh, in in the General uh, Assembly, and we're really excited to have him join us and uh, share with him, share with us and our viewers his perspective on what it's like uh, being there in Frankfurt. So welcome, Representative Grossberg. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm, I'm heartbroken that my friend Willie can't join us today, um, but luckily I know Martina and I'm happy to meet you and Kimberly as well. Uh, excellent. Yeah, I think Willie gave me some things he would like to say, but I'm going to let him go ahead and do his flirting for himself <laughs> uh, and, uh, and not subject you to it. So uh, I will say this. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think 2023 is your first session as state representative. How would you characterize what was happening in Frankfurt under the GOP supermajority uh, under that leadership? You know, the things that we've seen and what was your kind of, I don't know, what was your take on that session? Well, being a representative itself is something you can never describe. It's one of those things that won't make sense until you actually do it. And I hope that my friend Martina gets that someday. And if either of you have the same ambitions that you do as well. Um, but it's empowering and humbling at the same time. On the day of the veto override of Senate Bill 150, uh, we all had been crying in, in the caucus room, but there on the, the House floor, when they introduced the override and then did a 
motion to previous question, which means that they're not going to allow debate before voting, and then went ahead and voted on it without letting us get a single speech in until after it passed was not just heartbreaking, but it felt very disempowering. And I remember when it was my turn to speak after the bill had passed to raise my objections, I'm looking up and no more than 30 feet from me in the galley, people were being dragged out in handcuffs. And I'd always told myself over the years when bad things happened, if only I were there, something would be different. And for the longest time, I really believed that was true, whether it was on this issue or some other social justice issue, that if only I were there, I could make a difference. But here I was that day, and instead of being up there in the galley with him, I was there on the floor looking up, feeling even more powerless because mm. I'm now in a position that I should be able to do something to stop it, and I couldn't. And that's just the, the epitome. I mean, that was the end of the session. But um, I cried 27 of the 30 days, and I'm not a crier, but that's how brutal it is. The first time that we got one of those bills, I remember getting a call on my drive home from uh, Representative Rachel Roberts, who is the caucus whip. And typically when you get a call from the whip, it's not a good phone call. It's, you know, to check you and bring you into line. They call them a whip for a reason. Uh, so I'm like, oh, this can't be good. I answer the call and she says, hey, how are you? I'm like, I'm doing great. How are you? And she's like, well, I'm doing great now, but just know that tomorrow is going to be the worst day of your entire professional life. And I was like, excuse me. And she said, yes, I've been calling all the freshmen to prepare them. But tomorrow we're going to hear the first of the anti-trans bills. There's nothing we're going to be able to do to stop it. And however bad you think it is watching on television, it's going to feel that much worse in person. And I told her, you know, I'm tough. I can handle it. She's like, I know you're tough, but you're also human. And I know why you're here and you're here to fight on these issues and it's going to get to you. And I'm glad she gave me that call because then when it did happen and I broke down and <coughs> my speech uh, on the first uh, hearing of the anti-trans bills, you can hear me start to break at the end. And if you're watching the KET footage, you then see me run to the bathroom to go cry. Um, and I was glad that Rep. Roberts prepared me for it, but it didn't make it any less visceral. Um, the mistake she made was telling me that that was going to be the worst day of my entire professional career, because I can tell you that the veto override of Senate Bill 150 was the worst day. Not because we didn't know exactly what was coming that time, but I remember I was in the, the hallway in an interview that ran just a couple minutes over, and my phone's blown. Everyone getting up, and I run up to my seat and I stand, or excuse me, I sit next to Representative Josie Raymond, but we're standing. And I said, What's going on? And she said, They just moved to previous question. I said, They only called us into session like two minutes ago. She said, I know. They read the bill and immediately called to previous question. And I said, Can they do that? And she said, There's 80 of them. They can do whatever they want. And that was the start of the disempowerment. And as I watched it happen, I whispered to her that I'm ready to take this pin off, this pin you see right here, throw it at, and I'm not going to tell you the name of who, but throw it at someone and storm out. And luckily, she explained to me, if you do that, there's no coming back. Um, so I didn't do it. But that experience of watching what should be an honorable, austere body focus more energy on stripping away the rights of children who just want their basic humanity, more time and energy on that than on 
education, transportation, economic development, all of those things combined. It, it, that's the long answer to your short question. That's what the first session's like. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Sorry, I think you really got the next one. Hi, Daniel. You probably don't remember me then because I changed my hair, but I'm part <laughs> of the executive committee here in Jefferson County. And what color did was your hair before? Black. <laughs> okay, that, that, that helps, but okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. And did you come to the Wendell Ford dinner? I did not. Mm, see, you're on my bad list now. <laughs> okay, so Daniel, what did you find to be the most effective strategy or tactic to advance the people's business? There were clearly some important advances, uh, medical marijuana, sports betting, and that's beyond horse racing and slots, which do support horse racing. But did these victories happen because or despite the GOP uh, supermajority? Well, that's a several tiered question. The first I would say is that a majority of what we do is actually constituent services. And I always knew constituent services would be important, but it's not until you get there until you realize how important it is and how much of your job that is. And thank goodness the LRC staff is nonpartisan and treats my constituents the same as they would Speaker Osborne's. And just starting to learn the lay of the land and making friends with the staff and treating them as the professionals they are and understanding that they, not us, are who keep the wheels running has a great impact. And I've gotten feedback from my constituents from the work that's been done on their behalf. And what's amazing, and I shouldn't be admitting this as a politician, is the constituents always give me the credit. And all I really did was package it and hand it off to a career professional. Um, but that's just the humility of realizing that I'm not actually running the show. You know, I have a vote. The staff doesn't have a vote. But the staff are who's keeping everything running. It's kind of like if you use the hospital analogy. Someone could be bragging that they're a surgeon and what the operations they do. But if it's not for the nurses and the scrub techs and the nurse technicians and the anesthetists and the orderlies and the maintenance people and the people in accounting and the people in billing, you know, there are many aspects to a hospital that doctors nothing without everyone around them. And I'm grateful that we actually have a great staff. Um, but as per legislation, uh, I wish that I could take all the credit myself and I'm known for being bipartisan and reaching across the aisles. And in fact, have been accused of being a Republican spy for it, which is absurd because if you look at my voting record, I actually tied for first place with most consistently mainline Democrat with someone I mentioned five minutes ago, Representative Rachel Roberts. So it's kind of hard for me to be, maybe I'm just a really bad spy, but I do <laughs> the aisle. I work with the Republicans and that gets things done. I've got bills last session that got traction that wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. I've got bills coming up that are getting traction. In fact, I've got one and I have agreed not to give too much detail, but something I worked really hard on last session is coming back this session being repackaged and a Republican is taking the lead. And I'm really hopeful that it's not just going to get a committee hearing, but that we might actually see it take place. Because if you're willing to check your ego at the door, you can get things done. There's really no way with 19 of us, should be 20, but Lamine Swan, God rest his soul, passed away. 
there's no way with 20 of us and 80 of them that you can get anything passed. But if it's something good, they can get it passed, but you have to be willing to let them take the credit for it and put their name behind it. And I'm perfectly okay with that because at the end of the day, the voters want to know, the constituents want to know that good work is being done. Um, as for the bills that you referenced, that isn't my best work of the governor who has been playing masterfully in terms of building the coalitions and timing things and setting it up such that he basically regularly calls the bluff of the Republicans that either you go along and do this with me or it doesn't happen. And when I run for reelection, I will let the voters know exactly why it didn't happen. And you're just going to boost my victory by a few more points. And uh, I'm not at liberty to the detail the specific ones, but you three are smart and I know your audience as well. They can figure out some of these bills that the governor really was the one steering the ship. And other than the fringes of the Republican Party, he got the mainstream Republicans on board, sometimes because it's a good bill and they wanted to share credit, but sometimes because they were afraid of the consequences of what happens if they don't pass the bill. So mm -hmm. he, he's absolutely masterful. Awesome. Well, that kind of goes into the, the next question that we have for you is, um, you know, if you can speak more a little bit about how important um, has it been for Andy Bashir to be in the governor's mansion and um, what type of campaigning uh, for the November elections um, are you hoping to be able to do to keep him there? Well, I'm ADHD, so I'm going to have to go in reverse order so I don't forget the questions. Cool. But um, <laughs> my district had been one of the most overlooked districts in the state for very many years because my predecessor had been in office since 1972, so 50 years. Mm. And uh, not just overlooked by him, but by the party, overlooked in general elections. And I really changed that narrative. Uh, I don't know if all three of you were closely watching my campaign. Martina, I know that you were, and you saw that I was doing 15, 16, 18 mile days of walking and knocking on doors and engaging with the people. And I built those relationships and I'm a strong supporter and ally and even a friend of the governor, uh, even since before he was running for attorney general. Uh, and he knows that he can count on me and that I will be at the doors for him. If he needs a surrogate, I'll be a surrogate, but I think it'd be more impactful most of the time for me to stay in my district and I'm eager to do that for him. Uh, there's other things I can do. You know, I don't have a fundraising base that he doesn't have access to. Uh, I, I am a former strategist before being a representative myself, but he has hired a team that is much better than I am. So I don't know that I can <laughs> offer anything there, but I can offer him my support in any way possible. And that really would be the strongest suit that I have is either being a surrogate in those few instances where he'd need it because it's a big state or mm -hmm. more regularly canvassing for him or with him. And mm -hmm. uh, those efforts are planned and I'm actually going to do it independently of him for him and coordinated with his campaign when they want it. As to your first half of your question, it's vitally important. He is not just the only Democratic governor in the entire South, which is a bragging point, he's the only one holding the line on so many of these fundamental issues. And yes, mm -hmm. they can often get a veto override. 
often can time it just right, you know, leverage the right angles, um, rub the right elbows, pinch the right fingers if he needs to, whatever is necessary. Uh, has he been successful in everything? No, because he's only human. For example, Senate Bill 150, he vetoed it, which was politically risky, but right. he does the right thing. But there was no stopping that. That just had had way too much support. Um, right. But the governor, I mean, he has delivered. He delivered for, for us disaster after disaster. When he ran for governor, he ran to clean up the mess of Matt Bevin. And somehow he's been able to do that and also deal with being the most effective governor on a once in a century pandemic. And any statistician or epidemiologist would tell you that he saved thousands of lives through his efforts. He has seen us through the tornadoes in Western Kentucky and the floods in Eastern Kentucky and, you know, so on and so forth. And this is not what he signed up for. Right. That to the task. And I remember, despite having successful four years as attorney general, there were people who were challenging and saying that he's just running on his father's name and he's got nothing to stand on and he's not up for the job. And as bad as Matt Bevin is, at least he's up for the job. Well, Andy Bashir does more in one day than Matt Bevan did in four years. And I have no doubt that Daniel Cameron could not have handled the crises the way that Andy Bashir did. Not only could he not handle policy because he's wrong on the issues, he couldn't handle the crises. And his mishandling of the Breonna Taylor investigation is proof positive of that. But then get another locus of the governor is the economic development where, forgive me, I don't have all the stats in front of me, but the governor all kinds of records for economic growth and job development. And despite the Republicans cutting taxes regularly, our revenue is growing because the economy is growing by leaps and bounds. Um, I think it's the two best years on record. And then the other year is still in the top five or something like that. I might not be 100% precise, but I'm pretty darn sure that it's three of the top five and the top two years of economic development in the state's history. It's going to be really hard for Daniel Cameron to explain that away. So uh, God forbid the voters go the wrong direction. We're not just going to see an erosion of our rights. We're going to see a loss of jobs and economic development. Uh, and I know that you have a progressive audience, but I also know that the other side is listening. So if they want to go after the governor on his record, I, I welcome the challenge. And any one of us surrogates would be would be happy to answer that challenge. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you. Well, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your perspective. Really glad to to have uh, have the information that you've shared with us. And uh we uh, we need to move on, and, and we've got a, a tendency to go a little long. And I really like to keep the the, the show to an hour. Uh, well, but, I, uh, I have a tendency to go long as well, so <laughs> my apologies. You fit right in. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. Well, well, if you ever want want me back again as a guest, I would love to. If you ever need an extra guest host, I would love to because I feel we're all friends now, even though I embarrassed myself not remembering Kimberly, but I remember the name. Did you, didn't you used to work in city government or am I remembering wrong on that? No? Okay. I used to have the show called The Jones Report. Yes, you did with, with um, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, Betsy. Um, Betsy Foster. There you go. I was going to say, I was going to the curly haired woman. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's now, sometimes where, where I'm with Queenie, which is okay. our county judge. Queenie as well, but yes, that's where I know. Okay. Well, 
thank you all so much for having me. It was an honor and a pleasure. And you thank can make sure that he didn't get to see me. And you also need to remind him of this because this is a regular issue for Willie. Uh, so. <laughs> all right, if you're listening to the blog, uh, Representative uh, Grossberg pointing to his wedding ring. Just to make sure it's clear that uh, that uh, Willie uh, knows what's going on there. Knows the, knows Keep on knocking, but you can't come in, Willie. I feel like, you know, if Willie is hanging out with you and he's not flirting with you, then it's like almost an affront, really. You know, yeah, I think yeah. it's just it's just what he does. Uh, all right. So uh, thank you again. Have a wonderful rest of your week and appreciate those perspectives. So, hey, uh, I did want to just point out we we've got a, uh, a lot going on as we gear up to November. Uh, and I think that uh, Representative Grossberg just really made uh, made the point about how important it is that we get out, we knock doors, we you know do everything we can to support the, the administration. Uh, but I think that uh, Martina maybe is going to tell us a little bit more about how Progress Kentucky is getting involved and what they can do. Uh, but I might need to help her out because I don't think I put the details in the show notes. But uh, thanks again, Representative Gross, uh, Grossberg, and look forward to having you on again soon. Bye-bye. Awesome. All right, Martina, what you got for us? All right. So this is a call to action because we need you to help ensure four more years of compassionate commonwealth um, that gives us your view and work with us to expand the the expand, excuse me, the voter support for Andy and our great slate of statewide candidates. Here are the steps, um, or you can hear other steps at our campaign kickoff meeting August 19th at Pivot Brewery. Um, and this is at what time, Aaron? So we're going to start at six. We're going to go till nine. Uh, so just a few hours of your, of your evening. All right. So you guys heard it. You can you have an opportunity to help us kick off um, making sure that we elect uh, for another four years a compassionate leader um, that is our current governor, Andy Bashir. You can do that with us August 19th at Pivot Brewery at 6 p.m. Awesome. Yeah. And so fill out the survey, please. And we'll get your yes. insights into the, the election and how we should, you know, what kind of messages you think we should use, uh, how we should go after Dan Cameron, you know, so many so many things we could go after Dan Cameron for. I think uh, Representative Grossberg just shared a few. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we want to pin down what folks think is the most impactful. Uh, and uh, once you fill that out, we'll send you the details of the Pivot event. Uh, and we just did lock in. We have got Representative Colonel Pam uh, running for AG. She's going to be our keynote speaker that night at Pivot. So if you know anything about Colonel Pam, which you should, because you're watching this show. So you've probably seen her on this show because she's pretty regular. Uh, she's been on a few times. She is super inspiring, super passionate, and I think knows how to fire up a crowd. So that's why I'm Oh, she thinking. does. Yes, she does. Uh, awesome. Yep. Uh, cool. So I think that's mostly it. I, uh, Kimberly, can you close us out? I sure can. And I love Colonel Pam. She's my big sis. Love her. Love her dearly. Uh, Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State and organized as a 501c4. We are affiliated with the Indivisible Project, the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, otherwise known as CAVE. And we are also proud members of the Forward Kentucky Network. 
Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Make sure to join us next week when we'll be joined by a great guest. Yes, it will be a great guest. Production of episode 122 was by our very own and amazing one and only Annabelle. And thank you, Nate, for the theme songs. You can find more music and information at natosongs.com. And that's N-A-T-O songs.com. And if you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook or YouTube, do not fret my pet audio podcast and our show notes are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. If you do listen to the pod, please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Logo and some graphic content are provided by Couchfire Media. For more information, they can be found at couchfiremedia.com. Now, it's Wednesday. You made it over hump day. You only have a couple of more days left. Do something nice for somebody. Not only will they feel good, you will feel great. And join us next week, same bat channel, same bat time. And have a good rest of your week. Thanks for watching. <laughs>